Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Coming at you on a Tuesday. Check that. Coming at you on a Wednesday. Anthony Babino will join me in the studio in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll talk uh, a little baseball with the Raging Cajun assistant coach. We'll talk Pels Grizz in the next segment. But as promised, joining me now, my friend, host of the Saints Happy Hour podcast, writer for WWLTV.com, Saints historian, at Saints Forecast on Twitter. That would be Mr. Ralph Malbro who joins me now in um, Ralph uh, Saints free agency around the corner. No surprise. They didn't, they didn't tag, they didn't, you know, put a franchise tag on anybody, but I don't know, man, I, every year you like to, uh, to get at the trolls that claim the Saints are in cap hell. And I always say it's a semantics thing. They're not in cap hell, but they do have some cap constraints. Um, where, 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 Where's your excitement level for free agency this year compared to years past, man? And and by the way, good morning. Thank you for coming on the show. Good morning. Thank you, Scott. I'm not as excited as usual, and I have a little bit of dread because I feel like the cap nerds next Wednesday, they might claim victory for the first time ever. And it's really not going to be a victory in that I really think there's a possibility that the Saints have decided they're like, we're not going to pay Marcus Williams $18 million a year and five years, $90 million. Like, they have made that decision, even though they could. Like, they've made that decision they're not. And I think they have possibly made the decision, look, if Teron Armstead, if you want to go to Miami or you want to go to Jacksonville for $25 million, like, we're not paying you that. And if they Saints have those two guys leave, the Capitals will dunk all over us, which will be a sad day for America. But it, it won't actually be true i don't think i think the saints are just like they have prices set for those guys and they're like we're not going to move off this price i mean think of this in what was it 2018 mickey loomis he wouldn't move off his price for drew Brees. like he's like two years 50 million and like drew Brees' agent left the room and mickey loomis was like take it or don't like this is what it is so like mickey loomis that man has no fear and i just think they set the prices on these guys and they're ready to move it along and it's a little bit of cap, but it's also like, if you think about it, Scott, Toronto, I said, like, do you want to pay him $23 million a year for four years? Guy that misses all those games? Like, it's a defensible position to say we can't do that. So I'm a little bit trepidatious because I, I, I love to defeat the cap nerds, and I think I'm worried that they're going to have they're going to be dunking on us Wednesday, and it makes me well, sad. It, it, it's, it's possible. I mean, it doesn't mean – cap hell but the saints you know i i know we like some i say we i know you and others like to have fun and say oh the cap is a myth it doesn't exist that's extreme i mean it it's why they couldn't keep janoris jenkins and yes it took a pandemic i get all of that and the cap going down but there's still there's still if if it was just a myth you know as well as i do if it just didn't exist at all if there was always a way around it Shoot, Gail wouldn't mind paying for those guys. What you just no. said, you know, it, it, so it is. It is in play, but it's not this electric fence that the Saints, you know, don't have the the, you know, the remote to to turn it off. I mean, they can open it if they want. It's just a matter of do you want to open it for those guys at those prices? I mean, I think we talked 
maybe I was maybe maybe it was you and I, or maybe it was me and Gus. But I was saying like between Armstead and Williams, of the two, which one do you think would most likely be back? I said Williams, but it sounds like you're saying you feel like both of them are gone. I feel like I I feel like there's a chance both of them are gone, but there is a scenario where, and I'm going to play this out, and this this would be a fantastically fun scenario. I don't know if the Saints. If it if it if it if it's a smart move, and we'll get to why that in a second, but it would be tremendous fun for Saints Twitter and your show and my show because it would give us glorious, glorious content. You remember when the Saints with Carl Nix, right? He was he was the number one free agent guard, and the Saints offered him a great contract, and he was like, "No, I'm not taking it." And they didn't even tag him for one extra year like they did Marcus Williams. And Carl Nix went to Tampa, and the Saints were like okay, he didn't take this great contract for a guard. Let's give it to somebody else. And they gave, it, they gave Ben Grubbs a really nice contract. It wasn't a record-setting contract for a guard, but it was a really nice contract. And Ben Grubbs, he wasn't Carl Nix good, but he was good, he was good for the Saints for and a couple years. And once Carl Nix left, he uh, wasn't Carl Nix good anymore either. <laughs> yeah, well, Carl, poor, poor Carl Nix got the MRSA and his career was kaput in Tampa. Poor guy. But my, that's my theory with safety. I think there's a possibility, Scott, that the Saints are going to, they're trying hard to get Marcus Williams, and I think they're, gonna, they're willing to pay him 16, 17 million. But I think Marcus Williams is like, I can get 18, maybe 19 from some really desperate team, and I want every penny. And the Saints are like, okay, you're leaving. We budgeted $17 million for safety. Let's go get Teron Matthew for three years, $38 million. And that would be glorious because Saints Twitter would explode. I mean, if they brought Honey Badger back, Scott, it would just be fantastic. So I think that's a, that is a possibility if Marcus Williams walks where the Saints have – because we know they're willing – they're trying to get a long-term deal with them. So you know they're willing to spend the money they haven't budgeted for this year. So they may spend it on a safety – uh, honey Badger or another safety. It won't be as good as Marcus Williams. You can argue that you know Honey Badger. He's thirty. He, he, he's smaller frame. He may he may get injured. It could be risky. But as far as fun, the fun meter would be off the chart if they brought him to the Saints. Uh, and by the way, look, he liked the po- he liked the post yesterday with him decked yeah, out the Saints colors. Yeah. He did four fire emojis. I wanted to do that as breaking news on our podcast. Practically, there's something about the. Um older wiser Matthew that I guess he's maybe getting nostalgia he reps New Orleans all the time I mean there might have been a time in his life where he's like I it was, it was good that I, I I was elsewhere that I got away but now he's at this point in his life where he's like he's always back there when he's not playing right um and and if they do that I think you know I think sneak sneaky uh, under the radar look if Williams is gone it is P.J. Williams, who can uh, Marcus Williams? Like, let me just—if Marcus Williams is gone, P.J. Williams becomes a very necessary signing. People can dog him all they want. His ability uh-huh. as a backup to play multiple spots in the secondary, and he had his best season last year. You, you don't have to overpay for P.J. Williams, first of all. Um, yeah. That's 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 obvious. But in terms of like, look, if you got to give him an extra mil, or if you got to give him a two-year deal instead of one, which you always seem to give him. You ha- if Marcus Williams is gone, you have to keep P.J. Williams around. And, and, and that, for folks that just see him struggle in coverage at times, maybe they think that's silly. I'm just telling you, with the season he had last year and what, they, what Dennis Allen wants to do 
with the DBs and the safety against the run, that sneakily becomes, I think, a really, really important signing that you need to circle and say, okay, well, they better lock this guy up for a little while. Well, that's, that's, that's the telltale sign in the next week that before free agency kicks off, what is it, 3 o'clock next Wednesday, right? That's the telltale sign that Marcus Williams is gone. If in the next week you see the Saints and they're like, hey, the Saints just locked up P.J. Williams for two years, $7 million or whatever, or $8 million, whatever it is, that means the Saints are like, okay, Marcus Williams is leaving. Maybe we can get Tyrone Matthew. Maybe we can get another safety. But you know what? We're locking in P.J. Williams in case we don't, and then maybe we have to draft a guy. But we have to have a veteran guy that we at least trust to not be a disaster back there. So that would be that's a telltale sign to me and Marcus Williams is gone. I, I think I think he's kinda gone anyway, Scott, because here's the here's the trouble with the Saints, I think, with Marcus Williams is I think that guy, he wasn't expecting to get tagged last year and he but he did get tagged and you know this tampering goes on. You know his agent was whispering to other teams. I think he knew that there was a mega contract out there for him. And I think he knows it now. So it's like whatever the Saints offer him, I think the Saints could make him the highest paid safety in history, and he'd just be like, that's great. You offered me five years, $18 million. At Wednesday at 3.01, Jacksonville's going to offer me 19 or another crummy team is going to pay the crummy team tax and pay me a million more than what you're offering. And I think that's why the Saints are in a really hard position with Marcus Williams. And I'm going to say, he'll be, the, he'll be one of the only guys that I believe that the Saints absolutely positively wanted to keep, and they just couldn't get it done. Because the list, Scott, is short. They've had guys leave that have turned out pretty well. But like Malcolm Jenkins, they let him leave. They wanted Jarris Bird instead. Uh, Trey Hendrickson, they really liked him, but they let him leave. They weren't like, oh, my God, Trey Hendrickson is going to leave and he's, an all, he's going to be all pro in Cincinnati. No one knew that. But Marcus Williams, they have said they value him as much as Lattimore, as much as Kamara. You know, you can argue if they should or whatever, but that's how they view him in that building. And if he walks, like, it'll be a big, big loss. And the Saints, I think they'll be very disappointed that they just they couldn't get the deal done. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Ralph Malbro, my guest now. Um, stepping outside the Saints for a moment, Aaron Rodgers' deal yesterday. How do you think – if at all, that impacts the rest of free agency. And the thing you don't know with the Saints is, you know, did, did they view free agency? Maybe we're viewing it from the completely different. We're thinking of Armstead and Williams, right? they got to re-sign those guys. There's a possibility, Scott, that the Saints look at free agency and they're like, we have got to lock down quarterback and we have to have the cap space and we have to, you know, it, it depends. How do they view Jameis Winston, right? Do they view Jameis Winston like they did last year? Well, remember last year, Sean Payton said, "I want, we want Jameis here. We're gonna, we want him here, and he's, we want him to be our to compete for a quarterback in 2021." But also, like he got offered more money from the Bears, and the Saints were like, "Go to the Bears. We dare you. Go be, go be Matt Nagy's quarterback. We triple dare you." to set your career on fire. And Jameis blinked, and he went back to the Saints. They gave him a little bit more. But basically, he, he came in at the Saints' number. This year, Scott, like, you just mentioned it. Like, okay, now these are Washington quarterback. Steelers. Like, there's going to be Team Carolina, even although Jameis was so bad against them. I can't see them trying to sign Jameis. 
But, like, there's teams that need quarterbacks, and all it takes is one team to be like, Jameis, off those seven games with the Saints, he's our dude. Jameis, here's four years, $80 million. And will the Saints be like, okay, Jameis, please say we'll match it? Or are they going to be like, there's no way we're giving you four years, $80 million with $35 million guaranteed. Go have fun in Washington. So, like, I think maybe quarterback is the, is the biggest thing. And back to your original point, like Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay, it makes one more team that is quarterback needy. They are still quarterback needy because they can't get Aaron Rodgers. If Jordan Love was was any good, <laughs> I mean, Rodgers probably is somewhere else, even though he's multi-time MVP. But that, I mean, 150 guaranteed Guaranteed on a two hundred million dollar deal at his age is, it it was it's astounding. You know, it really is. It's it's a huge number, and you know the Packers they'll they'll still be really good with him because he's that good. They'll probably lose in the postseason like they usually do and rinse and repeat. But uh, look, for for all that's said about Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he's awesome, and I'm sure the Packers would rather have him than not. But when I saw that deal yesterday, I'm like, well, this will. We'll shake up the market a little bit. Ralph, we, we talked about Rodgers. Let me talk about Russell Wilson for a moment here. I opened up the show with it, but, you know, I, there's there's a lot of public opinion out there that uh, maybe Denver didn't, you know, they got to, they got to, they, they didn't have to give up that much. It, really, that Seattle should have gotten more. I mean, it's, it's a lot in the deal when you consider Wilson desperately wanted out like he really wanted to get out let's not act like this was Seattle wanting to get rid of a franchise quarterback because it wasn't and when you consider they gave up two firsts for Jamal Adams and they only got two first along with some other things but a quarterback that's not good and you know some other players I don't know I I know a lot of Saints fans see I, I was big on maybe Wilson of the Saints until Sean Payton stepped away and I was like okay it's not gonna happen but what is your overall thoughts on on Russell Wilson's move to Denver and uh, and you know I I said this uh, earlier in the show Derek Carr is probably the best quarterback ever that was the worst quarterback in a division as far as starters go right I mean here's the thing I mean I it's clear it's clear to me that like Seattle basically told Russell Wilson they're like look we'll get you out of here but keep keep quiet and play the good soldier, and don't you dare wreck your value, and we'll get you up out of here in the offseason when when this year when it's not cap prohibitive like it was last year. The deal that, he, that Denver gave up, it's a lot, but they didn't really touch any of their core players. I mean, like Noah Fant is a nice tight end, but like, eh, and I mean, the quarterback throw away there. So the two number ones and two number twos, that's a lot. Um I have to say the deal, though, like, for the Saints, it's, if you think of it this way, yes, we'd love to have Russell Wilson because then you look at the NFC South and you're like, wow, we can, we can run this division. But the NFC is like, a, I mean, it's kind of wide open, even though Aaron Rodgers stayed. You'd rather Aaron Rodgers go to Denver, obviously. But I just look at the deal and – I just am like, what is Seattle doing? The peak was 70, Scott. And they are going to release, they released Bobby Wagner. Like, this is, it's, to me, it's stunning in this way. It's almost like the Saints. To me, it's the equivalent of the Saints after 2016, 
trading trading Drew Brees and being like, we're not going to try to rebuild it. It's over with and done, and we're trading them, and we're hitting the reset button. And that's why it's traumatic. Um, but I was, I'm just surprised that Seattle couldn't have gotten more. But remember, the no trade. Right, right. Uh, that's what no, I'm saying. No, right. I mean, he could yeah, have. The, the no the, trade clause plays hurts into the market a ton. You know, it's, it's like, you know, I, I'm with it you. doesn't set. That's why people got confused when, when, when Sean Payton was here with the Saints, and I would always argue with them. They're like, if Russell, he can decide where he gets to go because of a no trade clause. And I'm like, that's not how it's going to work. What it allows Russell Wilson to do is it allows him to veto trades. Like when they say to Russell Wilson, they probably said to him, look, we will glad, we'll trade you. Give us a list of teams that you will go to and we'll work out with them. And maybe Washington called up and maybe offered something a little bit better, but that's where Russell Wilson's like, I'm not going to Washington. Daniel Snyder, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's they're, they're, they're a trash organization. They haven't won, haven't won in 30 years, right? I'm not going there. And that's what the no trade does. It doesn't necessarily give him the power to pick the destination that he goes to singularly, but what it allows him to do is eliminate teams. And if you're Russell Wilson, that no trade clause to me probably came in fantastically handy because it, you know we can argue all day whether it's good to be in Denver in a, in a in a hard AFC West division, which is incredible. But I can tell you a hundred percent, Scott. I would if I was Russell Wilson, I would much rather go to Denver than go to Washington. Even the uphill battle that you have in Denver in the AFC West, because I just I don't trust Daniel Snyder to know how to run a functioning football team or that football field either. As far as Saints quarterback goes, all signs continue to point to Jameis. You know, I talked to Mike Neighbors last week, and, you know, he knows a lot of people in the Saints organization. He's like, I think Jameis will probably be back, but I don't think the Saints are maybe as sold on him as, as some would think. I think it's, huh? it's, I think it's one of these open relationship contracts kind of you know what, we're going to still be looking around. We're going to kind of somewhat commit to you. I don't see a a long-term big contract for Jameis Winston from the Saints this offseason, Ralph. I think maybe a little more than last year, but I think it's it's something that has some clauses in it that's that continues to be a prove-it type of deal. And Jameis, look, I like Jameis, and, and you can look at the raw numbers last year and say that's pretty good. But if you watched him in the starts he made, you saw there was a lot of meat left on the bone. There was some there was some things there. It wasn't like he was like lighting it all up. Like he was fine. He was good. He was he he, he did his job, but uh I don't know. I feel like it's an open relationship type of contract with Jameis Winston this next season. Where are you at with what the Saints are gonna have under center in twenty twenty two? I don't know, Scott, because I I kind of agree with you that that's what the Saints want to do with Jameis, but I just look at these need, these quarterback desperate teams and you're like, the Colts, the Steelers, Carolina, the Saints, Tampa, like there's so many of them, like I just feel like one of them is going to be like, Jameis is our guy, get him in here, I have to win now with do this. You don't think now, Tampa would actually bring him back, though, do you? For quarterbacks, I just think there's going to be a team that's going to pay James three years, yeah. sixty plus million. I, I don't. I don't see Tampa 
bringing Jameis back. Not that Tampa. Wild, but, um, yeah, you know, if Jameis goes, then the Saints will probably revisit the Bridgewater thing. I don't see them drafting a QB. I know, you know, Malik Willis. Um, I, I see, you know, Kenny Pickett. It's just all, all the reports are it's a rough draft this year. I don't, I don't see that happening. Speaking of the draft, a lot of people are saying, what are they going to do? Well, that's going to depend on what they do in free agency, but mm-hmm. um, don't be surprised with Dennis Allen in charge if they're doing something on the defensive side of the ball, despite the fact that they really need offense. Maybe it's the opposite, right? Because for as much as Sean Payton loved offense, Saints went defense a lot of drafts early. Yeah. Um, and and I, I don't know, man. I As far as the draft goes, people ask me a lot about what the Saints are going to do, and I just – like, ask me after free agency, you know, because yeah, right I, now it's all the mock drafts. They don't it, – it's it, they're all going to change once teams start signing people. Yeah, because you don't – if if, if, if Teron Armstead and Williams walk and they don't really fill those holes, then you're like, they need a tackle, they need a safety. Like, it, it, you just don't know how it's going to go. The one thing I will say in the draft, and this got people really mad at me, because you know, Scott, I am the I was the president and founder of – Let's go YOLO. 2018, 2019, 2020 especially, I was like, let's go whatever it takes. I don't care about the future. Burn whatever assets. Not this year. Spend whatever cap money you got to do. Let's get a ring. And I was all for it. But now, Scott, I see all these people that are like, let's trade up for Olave. Let's do this. To me, Scott, these Saints, they're so uncertain with their roster and their team, at least now, and especially if, if they have a bunch of guys, if Armstead and Williams leave, they cannot be burning future assets to move up in the draft if it's not a quarterback. Because here's the thing. If they have a ma- if Armstead and Williams leave and they don't really fill those holes in free agency, 5-12, and 4-13, and 13, it is on the table for the Saints. Because we don't know. Like Sean Payton, we knew the floor, right? With this team, we don't know the floor. So if you say, hey, I'm going to burn a 2023 second. I'm going to move up and get a lave. Like, that 2023 second might be a top 40 pick, might be top 35 if you're really bad. And I just think the risk of the Saints trading future assets is so high now. Where, like, in 2018, when they traded for Marcus Davenport, we, and I think I said, you even said this on your show when we were previewing it, but, like, that 2018 team, it is loaded. There is nothing in the world, basically, short of a meteor hitting the earth that is stopping this team from winning 10 games. So if you want to trade away your 2019 first, it's fine because you know your team is loaded. Same thing in 20, 2019, too. You knew those teams were loaded, and you had a backup quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater where you knew the floor was excellent, right? Now, you don't know that. And I just I, – I, I, I used to be president of YOLO, but now, Scott – I don't want them burning future firsts and seconds and thirds in 2023 because I don't know what the 2022 team is. And you you don't want to be sitting in 2023 going, oh, yeah, we traded up for Olave and now the Texans have the number 34 pick. Like, I just don't, I just don't want that to happen. I know that it's less fun, but that's kind of where I am. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. How about that, a somewhat judicious – Ralph Malbro this morning. I know. Uh, what, what is happening to you? Uh, at Saints Forecast on Twitter. But I'll say this. I'll say this, though. If they re-sign Armstead, if they keep Williams or add Honey Badger, 
get Winston, then you know they're all in to win the South, and I'm back to YOLO. So it could change. It's only it's only March 8th. It could change next week. It could change by next Thursday, Friday. But yeah. right now, that's where I am with uh, the Saints tra- burning future assets. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Ralph has been our guest. Final thing for you, my friend. We found someone that uh, is a um, more feeble-minded, better than you and I, that being uh, one Calvin Ridley. Um, boy, talk about some just plethora of takes all over the spectrum as it comes to Calvin Ridley. Uh, pointing out the hypocrisy of the NFL and how they punish certain individuals based on what they do, we can do that all the time. Pointing out the double standard between owners and players, we can do it all the time. Okay, that's always been that was the same before Calvin Ridley got on a sports book app in Florida when he didn't want to play football anymore last year and placed an eight leg parlay on the Falcons for crying out loud. Um, that was the same before he did that, and it, and it's the same now. So I don't know. I, I I saw a lot of people sort of defending Ridley, and it's like if you want to use the if you want to have stiffer penalties for a domestic abuser, I'm all for it, absolutely. Like, I, I mean it. I'm serious. But Calvin Ridley isn't, like, it's not like he's a victim. It's not like he, like, it was so stupid what he did. Like, they have in every locker room all over the place in the NFL, they had it. It's even more prevalent now since now they're, you know, in bed with all the, the sports books as far as advertising goes. They're getting a ton of money from it. It says you cannot bet on NFL games. You cannot bet on NFL games. He wants to go bet on some baseball game. Have at it. You cannot bet on NFL games. He did it. It was dumb. There, there's no. If he didn't know, then he's just not paying attention. It's very clear. Like I'm. Yeah. Are they using him as an example? Well, he only bet this, and he wasn't throwing yet. Okay, all of that's still true. But there is no way the NFL, with this information, for a guy that you know didn't even really want to play last year, they were going to use this, and they were going to send a message. They did. There's nothing about it that's surprising. And what he did was dumb. The fact that he bet on the Falcons was dumb. It'd been really funny if he had bet against them because the jokes would have <laughs> been plentiful. Been. Either way, it's <laughs> it's like it's it's fodder. You know, it's it's ammo for Saints fans. But like, I don't know, man. I, I saw a lot of various takes on it, and I'm like, look, the guy did something stupid, and I'm not surprised at all. He got suspended for a year. Like, you could say, well, betting on a team being stupid. Whenever you get paid 10 mil in your job and they have signs up everywhere that says don't do this and then you do it, yeah, I'm going to call that stupid. Sorry. Well, here's the thing that I was like, I was surprised he didn't get suspended for life and then maybe they ramp it back to a year on appeal. Because here's the thing like, the gambling money is raining down in the NFL and he put that at risk. And when you mess with the money, like, of course, domestic violence is worse. But when you mess with people's money, that's when they drop the hammer on you. So I wasn't surprised he got – I was surprised, actually, that he got didn't get suspended for life. But here's the thing, Scott. My man Calvin, 1500 bucks, and you lose $12 million. My man, I gamble more than that during the football season. Like, 1500 bucks on that. What are you doing, my guy? Like, I it's, – it's, Stunning. I was thinking when I saw that before all the details came in, I, I actually kind of felt bad for him. I was like, oh, maybe Cal, like, like maybe he has a problem. Right. Like you said, but maybe you, you see, like, it, there's like, like when I used to cover the Saints in like 2003, 2004, I counted like four different signs 
do not gamble on NFL games in the locker room, in the hallways, in different places. Like, it was all over the place. And that was back when the NFL didn't have this cozy relationship with gambling where they could make a ton of money off of it. So I was just stunned that it was only 1500 bucks. Like, your boy just, like, downloaded the app and, like, did it in, like, 10 minutes. And, like, how can you be so dumb? And, by the way, Atlanta is hysterical because they were going to trade him and probably get a top 40 pick. And he just set his value to nothing. And now Atlanta, the only thing they get from it is $12 million of cap space, which I guess is nice if you're up against the cap. But my goodness, Scott, Atlanta, add it to the pile of things that we get to make fun of them about. No doubt. Ralph Malbro, our guest, they make fun of the Falcons. They celebrate the Saints. They make fun of the Saints, too. They do a little bit of everything over on the Saints Happy Hour podcast. The guys have been doing it for years. Ralph's over 10 years in, well over 10 years in, the early stages, the archaic stages of podcasting. It's been going on for a while. There's a great following. A lot of Lafayette listeners as well. Uh, go check it out. Download it. Have fun with it. Follow Ralph on Twitter at Saints Forecast. Got a large following there. He's very active. It's always good talking, man. Um, all the best to you and the fam. And, you know, we'll uh, next next week will be fun as far as Saints news goes. It's gonna be it's gonna be chaos, Scott. I think the chaos is gonna start today because you got you're gonna find out about the tags and the Saints still have to clear like thirty five million dollars of space from now until next Wednesday at three o'clock. We have a lot of Saints news, so it's gonna be good times. Appreciate it as always, my friend. Let's talk again soon. Okay. Oh wait, yeah, one more thing, Ralph. Before I go, I, I said we were gonna talk a little Pell's Grizz. The reason I haven't hit on it much today is because it was. Uh, well, it was like the opposite of of you, you of what the Pels were doing last week. You felt like the team on the other end of the Pelicans beatdowns because the Grizzlies, they're good. The Pels didn't have Brandon Ingram. Um, hopefully, he can play tonight. But there's really not much other than you know when the Pels get on national TV, um, you know, misfortune, whatever. Like even if they had Bi, I didn't think I didn't think they were going to beat the Grizz even as well as they've been playing lately because the Grizz are that good. But it would have been a little different. It's really not. Uh, you're, what, what, I, rather than talk about last night's game, where are you at with the Pels right now? We got about a minute left here. Where are you at just in general with the Pels? Because they're they're uh, taking a, taking into account last night they were without Bi and all that. Like, let's look at last night, not just last night. Let's look at the current state of the team. There, aside from last night, last night wasn't fun. This team is really fun right now. They're really good, and they have a top ten offense and a top ten top ten defense since February first. And, Scott, here's the bottom line. If they'd have made their freaking free throws against Denver, Mm -hmm. we'd feel great about it. We would. We'd be like, they had a tough road trip. They're fine. They're still going to be a tendency. I think it's going to be hard to catch the Lakers at nine. But here's the thing with the Pelicans. That coach in place, they made the trade for C.J. McCollum. Everything's in place. And they just need to plug in the supercharger that is Zion Williams. Like Williams, that's what it is. It's it, you. You finally can look at them and be like, they have the coach, they have nice depth, and the thing is, they own the Lakers' future. And they might not get a top ten pick this year from the Lakers, but the Lakers, they're not going to get any better. And they have those picks from Milwaukee. They they have enough ammunition. They can do one more. Big move. All they have to do is get Zion integrated into it, 
get him loving their culture, which I don't think it'll be a problem with Willie Green. Those guys, they really do love each other and are bonded in a, in a way that's just tremendous after the trade. I thought you saw it with Josh, with Josh Hart and all the guys that went out to Portland, how close they were. And I think the Pelicans, I think they're, they're on the right road and they're really close and they're going to be really fun. And I actually think Zion, if he can come back and just give us a little bit of taste and they can make a nice little run, maybe get in the play-on game, win the playing game, I think that will be the best shot in the arm for the, the season tickets and the momentum and getting people excited of anything that can happen. Just give, remind people, oh, yeah, Zion's awesome, and the team's finally ready. I think the Pels are in a really, I think they're in a really good place. Great stuff. Ralph, man, appreciate you taking the time, brother. Let's talk again soon. Next week, next week, Scott, free agency. I'm Let's ready. Let's do it. All right, stay tuned. Coming out on the other side in the 8 o'clock hour, Raging Cajun assistant baseball coach Anthony Babineau joins me in studio. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. What just called me? 